only seven new episodes left. Shall we then? Pacey has a new assistant. Fresh coffee? Yes, Mr. Witter. I will get right on that. Mr. Witter. Thank you, Miss Potter. Mr. Witter. Would you mind grabbing us a pot of coffee? You forgot the coffee. We both know who's boss here. You're my secretary. Take a letter, would you? I would like to apologize. Do you have an appointment, Miss? For my secretary's behavior. She's new and very bad. All new Dawson's Creek. This is Charles. And welcome to a anniversary episode, not an hour podcast anniversary, but today, as you're listening to this, it is the anniversary of Dawson's Creek on air. January 20th, 1998 was when the first episode aired on the WV back in the day. It is currently January 20th as you're listening to this, or maybe the week of January 20th. Uh, so happy 22nd anniversary, Dawson's Creek. Happy birthday, Dawson's Woo. Creek. I hope you have a good 22nd year. I hope you drink less. I hope you figure out what you want to do with your life. Oh, happy graduation from college, if that's the track you're on. All of that good stuff. It's okay if you don't know what you want to do with your life. No one at 22 really does. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, crazy. And not only is that occurring, but you know we're coming upon the three-year anniversary of our own podcast. But we'll talk more about kind of what that is going to look like and that's basically let's be honest nearing the end of this run so we'll talk about all of that later but for now let's talk about i was gonna say let's talk about fun stuff but you were just saying before we started recording that you did not like this episode last episode was i enjoyed it so much and this is like the antithesis of that episode. And you are definitely not alone here. You know, a lot of the comments on our website, DawsonSpeak.com, for last week's uh, show notes, we post a, a blog post every week for those who maybe haven't checked it out yet, but go over to DawsonSpeak.com. There's a lot of conversation in the comment section, but a lot of people kind of feel like this episode, we were doing so well, right? We had hit this like turning point around 614, 615, 616. It was like, oh, we're continuing this. And then 617 was like, you got a little bit of it, but so much of it was starting to go back downhill. Um, Charles, I'm going to say to you that a lot of people said that the back half of season six was excellent. We do have some rough spots, though. And uh, this is kind of the start of that rough spot. I, I'm not like surprised. You can have an excellent run of TV, but to have like an excellent straight up quarter of TV every single episode is very difficult. Right. So I'm I can't say I'm caught by surprise. I'm just kind of like bummed because the last two episodes were so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least we got a little nuggets there so we can see that they're heading towards something potentially very good. Uh, this is 617, Sex and Violence. I forgot to mention in the past couple of episodes, you know, the reference that those titles were. Thanks to Melinda, who emailed us last season to let us know what those song titles or maybe film book references are. So 617, Sex and Violence. Uh, is a song by The Exploited. It's from 1981. Dawson probably feels exploited. That makes sense. Oh, well, we'll talk a little more about that when we get into it. But before we do, uh, my voice is kind of like, as I started talking, I realized my voice is kind of going. And it's because uh, this week that we are recording it, basically, we record, obviously, as you all know, the week before we release an episode. But uh, first week back from school, and I did a lot of speaking, a lot of teaching and lecturing and all that stuff much more than i had over the break while i was uh not at work i was just talking to charles basically yeah, <laughs> and, all the lecturing tracy was doing was lecturing me about things 
that's not true. <laughs> I was also lecturing my sister about this. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, there is a high possibility she may come waltzing into our home right in the middle of this recording. And if that is the case, you will you will hear that. But uh, maybe not. Who knows? Our home being Tracy and her sisters, not Tracy and mine. We're not dating. <laughs> We're going to have to say that in every single one of these episodes as we uh, round it out. But um, yeah, apologies if my voice is kind of unpleasant to listen to. Just in general, not even just because I'm feeling sick. <laughs> uh, Charles, how, how have you been? What's, what's up? Tell us something. So I'm also back to school this week. I've been very busy getting back in the swing of things. Because of that, I am sad to announce I don't have Apollo Cole fact this week but i have two things i can give you a mini fact um that paula cole has a dog and it's a very sweet looking dog and i spent like an hour trying to research this dog and i was hoping this could be my paula cole fact because tracy and i both love dogs and i she keeps information about this dog more locked down than information about her family it like bewilders me interesting interesting yeah and the other fact i'm going to give you all is i very recently as of this recording um went to a law firm reception thing it's a thing you do during the winter and it had a resume review portion and as things are with this podcast, they saw this podcast on my resume. Very, like, very little information because, you know, it's a law resume. And the person reviewing my resume was like, oh, you should uh, in- increase the amount of information you put about this on your resume because people will love to hear about it. And I just sat there bewildered the entire time. It's so funny because not that we're embarrassed about this podcast, but sometimes we feel in our day-to-day life, depending on what it is we're doing, it's always relevant to go into detail, right? We'll say we're interested in podcasting. We have experience in podcasting. And and yeah, funnily enough, there are so many people in our life that we've met professional lives. We're so excited about our podcast. So this is a lesson to stop, hashtag Dawson's Creek taught me to embrace all parts of your life. Yeah. And also Dawson's Creek. Uh, taught me, hashtag Dawson's Creek taught me that people love Dawson's Creek, which it has done that multiple ways. Yeah, I mean, obviously we know people love Dawson's Creek. We we know how many people are listening to our show every single week and, and even afterwards just catching up, finding us maybe later uh, and engaging too with us. And that is also a good transition to let you know you can engage with us on social media at Dawson's Speak Pod. Uh, email DawsonSpeakPod at gmail.com on the comment section of our website, DawsonSpeak.com. Uh, another uh, one thing I want to call out, you know, we talk about how many people love Dawson's Creek, finding this community online. I forgot to mention this last week during the recording, even though I had said I was going to, and I apologize, but one of our wonderful listeners out there, a cat who has been there from near the beginning, one of our first listeners who was really interacting with us, a cat and a few others have started a book bingo. Uh, I believe that's what they're calling it. You can follow that on the Twitter handle Capesideathon. I linked it to the show notes last week on DawsonSpeak.com. I'm going to link it again this week. But um, it's kind of fun. It's basically a bingo card, and there's different uh, books you can choose from that are themes. So, like, one of them is, you know, read a book or choose a book that has to do with a childhood friendship or choose a book that has to do with friends becoming lovers, things like that. And they've made little cards for it. It's running through the end of the month, and, um, you know, they're tweeting about some suggestions of people – the things that people are reading and yeah it's fun to join along and you know if you have a book goal like a goodreads goal for the year it's a good time to get started on that i want to play i read all the light we cannot see this winter and it has some of those things i'm calling a bingo (laughs) you're gonna just put a book into multiple categories and call it a day
Um, so yeah, so thank you for uh, letting us know that you're doing that. And and yes, we love we love this community. We love hearing from all of you, even if we are not able to respond in a timely fashion or sometimes respond at all. Uh, we we know our weaknesses. That may be one of them. Um, Charles. Yes, Tracy. I almost feel like there is no point in dragging this out. Our intro last episode was very long. We spent like 25 minutes chatting. Not that we had complaints. Like everyone was very kind. They liked hearing from us. You know that if you've listened to us for the past three years, we don't talk much about personal stuff, but apparently people like when we do that. I don't understand why people like us, but thank you. <laughs> we are considering opening up, uh, you know, we have an anonymous Q&A form that we had closed. We hadn't, we didn't involve that uh, form in our study hall at all, but we could open it up for the remainder of the show. Just answer some questions. You're always feel free to ask us anything you want. Listed all the contact information. And like we've been saying the past couple of episodes, uh, tell us your hashtag Dawson's Creek taught me lessons whether that is through email we'd love it if you could record a voice memo and email it to us or call our google voice number and leave us a message there is a three minute limit to voicemails but you know we've had people call back and leave multiple messages uh you could text that number Uh, all that information is on our website dawsonspeak.com how to contact us charles yes let's jump right into it Uh. 617 sex and violence now you predicted a few things. Did you predict a few things about this episode when we left last week's? I don't remember. I, I threw out some predictions in there, but really, they, I was just kind of floundering. I had no idea what this episode was going to be about. Oh, right. You were, you asked who could be possibly be having sex, and I was like, Jen and CJ, and you were very upset about that idea. And um, was I wrong? I'm upset about that idea now. <laughs> um. All right. Well... Let's talk about it. I did not read the IMDb fan-submitted anonymously written summary for last week's episode. Realized it after the fact. But you know what? It's not worth rehashing. I think we should just lead with it this time around. The IMDb fan-submitted anonymously written summary for 617, Sex and Violence. Joey agrees to be Pacey's temporary secretary over his recent promotion, but they both have second thoughts when their mutual jealousy leads to disaster in the office over a reporter named Sadia, the same woman who Pacey met at the office party in the All the Right Moves episode, as well as Joey not getting along at all with the pig-headed and callous Rich Rinaldi. Meanwhile, in LA, Dawson sells his idea for a coming-of-age movie, but when the studio heads Heather Tracy and Larry Newman want to change the movie into a teen sex film, Dawson must decide if he should take the lucrative deal or stick with his original concept. Also, an open-minded Grams is the intermediary that brings Jen and CJ back together. All things that basically happened. We've got three storylines here. No Jack, no Audrey. I'm upset about that. I, I do miss them. I'm very happy whoever wrote the IMDb summary specifically noted that Grams was very open-minded because I thought that was kind of surprising. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tracy and I had been discussing offline a little bit. Uh, we have no idea what these kids are like studying or what they're interested in or what they're going to try to make their lives to be. Right. And like Audrey, we can assume she's still in rehab or like getting out of rehab soon, but Jack, the only interest he's shown so far is in like pop culture criticism. Um, so I, I'm honestly kind of curious about what's going on in his life. And I'm kind of bummed that he's not on this episode. And his interest in that class was primarily because of his interest in the professor originally. And then that became all weird. But yeah, I mean, 
I was looking back, Charles, at your series finale predictions you made sometime last season. We listed them out on the website, and we'll have to go back and update those, I guess, when we get especially to uh, closer to the series finale. But you had said that you think Jack becomes a businessman like uh, like Mr. McPhee, who is in business, vague business. Um, and now you're re- you you were rethinking that. I, I at this point I want to think he's still a businessman, but from a like. TV writing perspective, I don't think he would be a businessman given that Pacey is involved as a stockbroker. And if he's not going to be a businessman, I'm not sure what he's going to be. We can't have two people in business. <laughs> I don't. That's not how this show works, Tracy. <laughs> that's what we have learned from the soapy teen dramas. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it with the A storyline, which is, I think, inarguably what's happening between Joey and Pacey, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that was our open. Um, it's our close it's our A storyline. Right. So, okay. Joey and Pacey, they're in that like dating slash hanging out part of their rekindling romance. They didn't jump straight back into being boyfriend, girlfriend, which I think I kind of appreciate. You know, they're taking it slow. Although knowing what we know about the end of the episode, maybe we wish they would have jumped right into it. I, I thought um, you were about to say they didn't jump straight into the sack, which I also appreciated. I it, <laughs> It's kind of like an acknowledgement that they're two different people, so they kind of have to like get reacquainted in that romantic way, right? Mm-hmm. They have to relearn who the other person is, especially because they're so different now than they were when they dated in high school, obviously. Uh, and what do you think about what's funny is they're only like, what, two years older <laughs> than they I were know. when they were first dating, and now they're completely different people, basically. Um so they're in that like cute little awkward dating part of things. You know, Pacey can actually take Joey out to fancy restaurants and, and all of that good stuff. And and in their getting to know each other part, they're talking about Pacey's work. And he mentions he got a promotion and it comes with a an office and a secretary. And everything we know about how terrible his workplace is has just been reinforced in this episode, right? It's like a boys club. It is sexist. At one point, Rich lets uh Paisley's assistant or secretary go because as Joey puts it later, like obviously she was let go because she is older and because she's you know, she's not a young twenty something or whatever. And um this comes up because Joey goes to bring Pacey this like office warming gift at work and she kinda gets roped into being his temporary assistant or secretary as the IMDB summary told us. And it's a little bit like I don't know, this storyline Felt a little too fan fiction-y for my taste. Yeah, I could have written better fan fiction. Um, <laughs> are you are you volunteering to write fan fiction again, Charles? I'm not, I'll pass unless you want very, very judicious fan fiction. Um, but it's it's a literally you take two characters from the show you think up of like a fanciful circumstance you can put them in, and you put them in there. It even has that kind of like. Um, romantic undertone too you know it's like fan fiction yeah it's all it's something that i know i've read in a manga before you know <laughs> or seen yeah. in an anime um yeah so joey basically takes this job because it's what, like 600 bucks a week or something and her hours had gotten cut at hell's kitchen because apparently it's spring break and not a lot of people are around although you could argue that maybe Hell's Kitchen is a hopping spot in Boston in general, but it is college area, and she doesn't have as many hours. Uh, she's not making as much money and tips, things like that, and 600 bucks a week sounds pretty good to her, especially because, as we could as- we're guessing, that she still 
if we remember correctly, she like drained her or the mugger drained her bank account and then she ended up giving all that money to the family, right? Is that what happened? Am I misremembering this? She, she's had a lot of financial difficulties yes. this year. Many of them not related to anything that she did. Right, right. So, okay. She takes this job and turns out she's not very good at it because, and mainly because she doesn't actually treat it, in my opinion, I don't think she's actually treating it like an actual job. And I mean, I will say, hashtag Tosses Creek taught me in this episode specifically Men are pigs. I don't want to generalize here. Charles, it's not about you. Not about many of our listeners out there. But this episode makes me feel like all men are trash. The way that they're written, leering at Joey all the time, you know, kind of drooling over her. We'll talk about CJ later. That is another big issue I have. Um, And with Larry Newman at the studio that, that Dawson is pitching to. In this particular setting, men are not looking good in this episode. You could not have written a more, like, Broy, stereotypically boiler roomy boiler room. If you tried, like this is cranked up to the max. Yeah, it is. And and to go back to the whole thing about Joey not really trying in her job. You know, uh, when I got here this morning, you forgot to make the coffee, and I like to oh. start the morning with it with a cup. <clears throat> right. Well, you were a chef, right? I mean, you can make it yourself. Obviously, Pacey and Joey have a history. They're not only dating or quote unquote hanging out, but they're friends. And perhaps Joey feels like she doesn't need to because she she does act a little bit in this episode like she's above doing things like coffee, getting coffee, right? Yeah. And it really annoys me. Like, l- listen, if you're going to accept a job, like accept the job, right? Accept the duties that you're going to do. Don't like treat it seriously. Yeah. And and Pacey even voices his discomfort to Rich at one point about the fact that they have a history, they have a friendship, a relationship, or whatever, and it might be kind of uncomfortable. Um, I kind of feel, though, and I know I have this clip later on. I can't remember if I cut this clip later on. I think we'll find out when I play it. But um, Joey at one point says, like, I didn't intend to, like, be a secretary or whatever, right? Like, she's almost looking down on it. Um, saying that, like, I'm, I don't need these skills because I'm not going to be doing this ever. And it's like, well, this is the job you signed up for, Joey. You got to do these things like make coffee. She knows how to make coffee. And, like, she thinks she just approaches this entire, like, temporary gig. I'll give her that. So blase. As if she has, like, as if it's just going to be, like, spring break. Yeah, like, it's easy money because she doesn't need to do a lot of work. But, you know, I mean, this is one thing if she was hired to, like, what are they doing? Trading stocks? I don't even know if she was hired to do that and they're making her get coffee. You know, that's not okay. But um, as they're in this uncomfortable setting, you know, Rich comes in to tell Pacey that a journalist is going to be coming in to interview them about the company. It's kind of vague. And there's a particular interest in Pacey because of how young he is and how quickly he's moving up. You got to get yourself together, man. There's a reporter coming in to talk to us later, and I don't want you to be snotting all over your tie because you haven't had a non-fat cafe mocha latte grande whatever. A reporter for who? I don't know. Some chick from the financial section to discuss our little up-and-coming company here. See how the big boys play and whatnot? Cool. Yeah, it's well. So you better straighten up, because it seems like this broad is interested in you in particular, rising to the top in record time or something. Really? She wants to talk to me, huh? Seriously, it's the financial section. Who reads that? 
Uh, rude. A lot of people read that. <laughs> yeah, you figure they would know. You figure that'd be very important to them. Yeah, in their line of business. You know, I'm thinking back to it. Are we being hard on Joey? People will tell us we're being hard on Joey, and maybe we are. Okay, like, well, let's discuss it. Okay. Um, so, like, Joey says she doesn't want to, like, she hasn't learned the secretarial skills because, like, she, her reasoning, I don't remember it exactly, but it was along the lines of, like, I'm never going to do this. And in my head, it's part of it is also she feels like if she does learn how to do this, she might get pigeonholed as that. Do you think that's correct or do you think that's me inventing that? Not that she'll get pigeonholed, but I do think that Joey has a bit of an ego on her, right? Like she's in, she's at Worthington. She was the top of her class. She, um, she knows she's a smart girl. Pacey says she's a smart girl. She kind of feels like, like I said, this is easy money. She doesn't need to do things that she knows Pacey is capable of doing. I think that's a little bit of it, a little bit of pride. But then again, you know, Joey's been a server before. She even says it later in the episode. She has that experience. She was a waitress. Uh, she's done that job. It's just that she feels like she's moved beyond it. Yeah, that. I mean, that it's understandable that she feels that way. But it's not like this job is a, a step in her career, right? It's like literally she got hired on the spot to be her some possible romantic partner is like assistant it's it's a it's a gig for vacation yeah yeah um now let's go back to this business journalist this financial journalist it is the mystery woman that we met a few episodes ago at that office or that work party that pacey went to uh her name is sadia she is coming to interview pacey and like Rich said, takes this particular interest in Pacey, much to Joey's irritation. You know, Joey, you're such a smart girl. I honestly thought this was going to be a little easier for you. Well, I kind of made it a point not to learn secretarial skills. You might have wanted to mention that earlier. Well, if I'm too good at it, then no one will ever let me do what I really want to do. I find that very hard to believe, Miss Potter. Hi. Hi. What are you doing here? Well, your secretary wasn't at her desk, so I hope it's okay. No, that's fine. She's that's that's she's there. Oh, okay. Well, here you wouldn't mind hanging this up for me, would you? Do you have an appointment, Miss? Why, yes. As a matter of fact, I do. Uh, this is Sadia Shaw. It's the reporter I was telling you about. Of course. Pleased to meet you again. So, I guess the rumors I've been hearing are true, Pacey. You're certainly moving up in the world. So, you guys know each other? Not entirely, but I guess that's what the interview's for. I guess so. <laughs> hey, is there anything we can get you to make you more comfortable? Joe, would you mind grabbing us a pot of coffee? Sure, Mr. Witter. I will get right on that. I will just whip up a batch. Thank you. There's the clip I was talking about where she's like, I don't want to be too good at this job. And I think she's being a little bit, like, jokey or a little bit cheeky about that. But also... If you excel, then you have a better chance of like moving off in your I don't know, whatever. I'm just being I'm being judgmental. <sighs> I agree with you for what it's worth. This is us as 30 year olds talking. <laughs> yeah. Like if you're gonna take a job, like take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. Um even if it is working with your friend, you know, I will say Charles and I were friends before we started working together. I don't think I was too mean to you. I took my job very seriously. Charles did take his job very seriously. Um, almost too seriously sometimes. But you know what? I'd rather have that than not seriously at all. <laughs> the news is important, Tracy. News is important. Hashtag Dawson Speak taught me that. Um, <laughs> Dawson Speak hosts taught me that news is important. That, that'll be our next merch design. 
Um, no, don't, that will not be our next merch. I don't have time for that. <laughs> uh, okay, so what do we think of Sadia Shah? I am so suspicious. Like, there's only so many episodes left of this show, but I'm now convinced it's going to end up with like an SEC investigation into Pacey's company and he's going to jail somehow. You think I, that the honestly... interest that Sadia has is um, she's digging into another story that she's not being transparent about yet? Like, I think whatever shady like pharmaceutical company Pacey Stepatech. reps. Stepatech. For some reason, I want to call it Stupatech. Stepatech, I feel like it's shady. I feel like it's defrauding someone. I feel it's all it's all going to blow up in his face. And I feel like this is a step leading to that. Mm, okay. Uh, I will say this is not the last time you see Sadia. It would be crazy if this were the last time we saw her, right? Like, it, it would be such a weird build for her to be mysterious at the party and for this to be it. And, like, part of the reason I think this is going to blow up in Pacey's face is because of the build from the party. Right, because she knew instantly who he was. She was there. She knew all of the players in in this world. Um, not just because it's her job, but she's she's so mysterious about it. She didn't come out and say exactly what she was there to look for or who she was there to talk to. And yeah, um, uh, you may be right to be suspicious. Like At you said, we only time, have a few episodes left. <laughs> anytime someone is that well informed about something I'm involved in and I don't know who they are, I'm automatically on guard because I assume there's a reason. Yeah, we we were journalists. We know that. <laughs> we know how this works. <laughs> always um, be careful everybody. and now Sadia even this is more impressive this is not her last episode considering how terribly she was treated at Pacey's office uh, Joey pours coffee creamer on her and a very like clearly it's motivated by a little bit of jealousy because Joey notices that Pacey and Sadia know each other uh, that they are familiar with one another and she is uh, Sadia is quite pretty and, and who knows what that could lead to Joey does end up pouring coffee creamer on her and they have to move the interview to Rich's office instead because it's too distracting that Joey is there. Which leads to an argument between Pacey and Joey. And this is the part where it feels extra fanfiction-y because they argue, which leads to this like makeout session in Pacey's office. Charles, while you were watching it, you were particularly upset about this. I'm, honestly, this is out of a slash fic somewhere. <laughs> One. Um, two, like, this is so... Unhealthy. The, the workplace is not the appropriate place for this. Um, I I was g- kind of glad that they like identified the secretary boss dynamic early on, but like th- 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 take it more seriously. The, the, one of my favorite scenes from this episode. Right? It's not my favorite scene from this episode. It's from um, the pre-credit scene. It's like a small moment where they're getting reacquainted and they try to kiss, but it's like awkward and cute and like they miss, right? standard tv film thing where you missed your kiss or whatever and now like they can only like kiss well after fighting with each other that's not healthy yeah and that's not the the poey that we signed up for the poey we know and love um i agree it's that moment in the pre-credit scene that like awkward kind of stumbling around one another that i found that to be very um endearing and a, a nice kind of a slow build in their relationship but then it just kind of escalates immediately with all that tension um, this reminds me a lot of uh in the office there's um the storyline in like the last season this is spoilers for the office <laughs> but it's um the boom operator uh that oh. jim and pam got to know uh he and his wife split up and he says something and they're like the only times we were ever like happy or like the only times that we um were really 
engaging with one another was like when we were fighting or something like that. And um, that was the only time they ever had any sort of passion or whatever. And we don't want that for Pacey and Joey. No, I mean, like, look at what happened to the boom operator. I haven't watched The Office the entire way through, but I've watched the last season multiple times, so I'm familiar with this storyline. Look what happened to the boom operator. Like, you don't want that to happen. To... Yeah, don't be the boom operator. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so now at the end, it feels like we're kind of bouncing around and rushing through this. I think you could, I think y'all can tell. We're not huge fans of this episode. This storyline, like we, like we said, while has some moments in it that we're like oh or like oh this is interesting i think it falls flat near the end of it and it particularly falls flat when what happens at hell's kitchen uh happens so end of the day joey leaves the office she goes to her shift at the bar and pacey goes there to kind of catch up with them and they agree that working together may not be the best idea um he fires her so that she can get her severance and it's kind of this happy ending for them they make plans to get together when she's off of her shift and you know, you kind of feel like, okay, we're back to the dating, hanging out Poe, the, the kind that isn't going to be, like, put into this pressure cooker of a work environment that is stressful and confusing. But before Joey can happily say goodnight to her shift and head across the street to Pace's apartment, who should show up but Eddie? Charles, were you expecting to see Eddie right now? Uh, uh, one of my least favorite things about this show that I enjoy a lot is that very often, in the last literal 20 seconds of the episode, they'll just throw a wrench in there. <laughs> we, that's what happened to Mr. Potter the first time. Here we have Eddie. Always happens to Joey, I feel. Um, but I, I've thought about it some more now, and I feel like I should have been taken by such surprise because the reason Hell's Kitchen is slow right now is because it's winter break or whatever. Spring break. Right? Yeah. And you know who's at college right now? Well, okay, now, Eddie's not tradi- in a traditional college setting. He's at this writer's workshop. We, we, we're not told what kind of program it is. We don't know how long the program was supposed to go for. We don't know a lot of information about this workshop. So maybe he's done with it and he's come back for good. Maybe he's dropped out of it. Maybe he's on a break. We don't know. I think we know at least that it's on some college campus somewhere. And I feel like that was that was enough of a hint for me not to like hate this to the nth degree. Just hate hate it a little bit. Yeah. I knew Eddie was gonna have to come back at some point, but I was not expecting him now. Mainly because you know that um that wasn't a serious rap the last time we saw him. But you know, the last time that P- uh not Pacey, the last time that Joey and Eddie saw each other, the Jetty, last time those two saw each other. They were saying goodbye. They were making out and the sunset is a backdrop. Um, they were making plans to see each other in Paris a year from now. And all of a sudden, we're only, what, a few weeks later, Eddie has come back to Boston. And Joey is in this completely other place now. She's trying to get things back, uh, started back again with Pacey. And who knows how this will turn out? Well, 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 Joey sure does have a choice to make another love triangle right in her face interesting if if there is one way for dawson's creek to end i guess this is appropriate way (laughs) with a love triangle at least it's not dawson pacey joey because that i think you would have just been tired of yeah this show had some evolution in that department what do you Um, think um what do you think is i'm gonna say what do you think is gonna happen because that's such a, a vague broad question but with eddie showing back up do you think that Joey will be upfront and tell him about Pacey. Do you think she'll tell Pacey about Eddie? I mean, it's going to be hard to hide, right? 
we don't have a really good track record of people being like particularly honest about stuff like this in this show. (laughs) I have a sneaking suspicion that that track, that bad track record is going to continue here. Um, I, I'm basically just full of questions right now. Like Mm. did, did Eddie and Joey correspond at all while he was in California? It seems not right. Joey has changed so much in such a small amount of time. I'm very curious about how Eddie's going to react. Right. And, and you know, as I think about this storyline, it's kind of crazy to me that the main focus of it is Pacey's, like, stockbroker businessy type stuff because it seems like such – I'm still not totally into the storyline mainly because, I don't know, 19-year-old kid trading stocks just seems a little bit like I'm not that interested in it. But it, I think it's interesting that the dynamic we're getting right now is, like, a potentially very successful Pacey, although we do have also the issue of, like, Pacey seems to be successful in almost every endeavor he goes into. Maybe he is a wonderkin. And I want to see the Poe reignite. Because, like I said before, I'm an unapologetic Poe shipper. I don't want Eddie to come back. I'm not happy that Eddie is back. But underneath that, underneath it all, I'm especially unhappy that we have this business storyline. <laughs> Yeah. What I think is really interesting is that, like, one of the chips on Eddie's shoulder is, like, he comes from this really, like, rough-and-tumble, blue-collar upbringing, right? And he, like, didn't know he could make something of himself until very recently. I assume that's a thing he's still, like, working to get over. And here now, the other, like, vertex of this love triangle um, that he's involved in is Pacey, who on the outside is this very successful businessman, the kind of person that Eddie is like the polar opposite of. But if you drill down into Pacey's character, they're very similar. They are very similar, yeah. I think that's... I'm getting a little bit more interested in this storyline now. Okay. Well, I think that the... um... The differences and the similarities in the two when it comes to like this love triangle, it could potentially lead to some compelling soapy teen drama content. So I'm not going to write it off entirely. I think I'm just more annoyed at this like setting we find Pacey in because I don't like I don't like stockbroker Pacey. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm honestly surprised they stuck with it through this entire season. Well, like it it seemed like a weird idea from the start. <laughs> I guess um I guess we'll find out more. You will see more of what exactly happens in this universe. You got a lot of lingering questions to answer, but um, let's let's table that for now as we end on the cliffhanger there. And it's funny that you say this thing about like a twenty, the last twenty seconds we swerve so hard. The end of this show. Um, I was watching a recent episode of This Is Us. No spoilers, but it was one of those things where I was like, oh, everything is kind of ending in a nice way. And in not even the last twenty seconds, it was the last five seconds. Something happened that I was like, what? And it was a cliffhanger. And I was so anxious and upset about it that um, it made me think about all the cliffhangers we got on Dawson's Creek and it made me appreciate them. <laughs> At least I guess we have a little bit more preparation time. For yeah, than the five seconds of like, oh my God, what is happening? Yeah. Um, five seconds okay. is so extreme. You could just like look away. Yeah, you, there, you can't get comfortable because it's like, you just never know what's going to happen. And honestly, that's what makes compelling TV. It makes you want to come back and keep watching it. Well, hopefully this makes you want to come back and keep watching it, Charles. I mean, you don't have a choice, but, you know. Um, okay, let's move on to our B storyline. Let's hop over to Los Angeles, sunny California, where Dawson is trying to sell a film idea to Heather Tracy, uh, who likes it. It's his coming-of-age story. It's very it's very much basically uh, Creek Days, but turned into a film, right? He's trying Creek to... Days with a bigger budget. Yes, with a bigger budget. Ideally, a bigger budget. And um, as he pitches it, he does get a warning from Heather that Larry, who we have seen before, we saw him uh, in the 
conversation about reshoots that happened between Dawson, Todd, Heather, Larry, and other members of the studio. Uh, Heather tells Dawson that Larry's not going to go for this lovely emotional coming-of-age story if it's not filled with some sort of um, sex and other kind of... Oh, God, what's the term for it? What is the term for it, Charles? He's very raunchy. Yeah. It's about a lot of things. But more than anything, it's about what it feels like to be 15. A time in your life when everything's new and you're constantly on the edge of a broken heart. I mean, it should be stylized and operatic and... And... I'd like to direct it. <laughs> Whoa, Junior. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Walk before you run. Okay. Well, what do you think? I like it. I do. And I think your passion for it is great. It's just... What? It's a little soft. And in case you haven't noticed, we don't really do soft around here. We do exploitation. Like Larry learned everything he knows from Roger Corman. You could pitch him Citizen Kane. Unless there's a minimum of three nude scenes, He'd give you a look like you just smelled a fart. Okay, that's all well and good, but I'm not sure I know how to make that movie. My advice to you is to play up the sex. He'll understand that. What makes this pitch so interesting and unique is the fact that it's this epic love story without the sex. I'll let you in on a little secret. Larry Newman is the horniest man alive. A world-class pervert. He's on his third wife. She's 23 and done a lot of work in the valley, if you know what I mean. Which doesn't seem to stop him from coveting my rack, mind you. I'm so sorry. It must be terrible to work in an environment like that. Please. You've been staring at the twins for the past 20 minutes. Not that I mind, of course. They are fantastic. And worth every penny. What's my point? I don't know. My point is, if you want to make a movie with us, find a way to tell your story while still appealing to the lowest common denominator. Pitch Larry the same thing you pitched me, only throw in a stripper, a three-way, or like an affair with a teacher or something. I can do that. Okay, one, is this studio like a softcore porn studio and we didn't know it? Two, Dawson could have easily wrote in an affair with a teacher because that is actually something that happened and and use that, but he kind of goes like the opposite extreme when he pitches, right? Um, now, now I will say for one thing here, I I almost want to think that now. Obviously, Kevin Williamson has since um, uh, stepped away from the show by the time the season has rolled around. But I almost like to think that the original pitch of Dawson's Creek, like it was, it was trying to explain to executives and, and people at studios that like this is a love story, but it is not based in sex, which is so much of what we got, like that that heart and that charm of early seasons of Dawson's Creek. So it's always a little meta. That's basically the log line for Creek Days, right? It's like a story about falling in, teens falling in love, but there's no sex. You look at the story of Dawson's Creek, you could turn it into like a sweet story about falling in love and also include sex pretty easily. Yes, but um, you know, when he meets with Larry, and we didn't get this sense when we first met Larry because it was under very different circumstances, but this time around when we meet Larry, we're kind of like, <sighs> it's a very, and obviously we didn't have this reference in 2003 or whenever this episode aired, but it's like very Harvey Weinstein kind of like gross, I don't know, it's um... Let's just say it's probably still relevant today and in, in what people are talking about. Very believable, obviously, uh, but in a very over-the-top way as well. 
Okay, Dawson. Tell me a story. Okay. So we opened in a teenager's bedroom. Walls plastered with movie posters. No, wait. This isn't one of those movies about making movies, is it? No, not at all. Not really. Well, either it is or it isn't. Well... All right, never mind. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, on the bed, boy and a girl. Both 15, they've been best friends for as long as they can remember. Are they, you know... No. Huh? Uh, not yet. I got you. Letting the audience get a little wet first. I like this. This is good. Yeah. So, uh, they're in the bedroom, and they're talking about movies. Wait a minute. I, got, I gotta ask you something here. Uh, is this a horror movie? No, not at all. This is a coming-of-age story. Actually, Larry, it's a teen sex comedy. With heart. American Pie meets Stand By Me. But it's got sex, right? Sure, yeah. Good. See, this is interesting. Trends will come and trends will go. But I say there's always room for a movie in which teenage girls take their clothes off. All right, let's cut to the chase, Pally. My ass is on fire here. Um, okay. Here, here's the part of the story that I, that I think you'll find the most interesting. Our main character thinks of himself as one of the good guys. He's always trying to do the right thing, and it, it always gets in the way when it, when it comes to girls. Um, so it, it's, it's really interesting to watch him go through this, this moral dilemma when he meets this girl at school that he really likes, but it turns out that she's a stripper. A student by day, a stripper at night. See, I've, I've, I've seen this probably a hundred times, but I'll be damned if I wouldn't stay up till 3 a.m. to watch it on Skin Max. And you cast one of those hot little Pastor Prime starlets who's willing to show off her new boob job. You got yourself a mini blockbuster on your hands. This is good. This is real good. I like this. You got yourself a deal. It's the best pitch I've heard in... in a long time. Well, I mean, you guys want to hear the rest of it? I mean, that, that's just a very small part of it. Let me give you a little advice, Pally. When somebody tells you you got yourself a deal, you zip it. You know, you nod, you smile, and you look grateful. You do not say another word. Another word can only do you harm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Outstanding. Okay. Listen, we'll figure out the beats after lunch. In the meantime, tell me a little more about Natasha. I think maybe he's purposefully over the top gross to make a point. <laughs> oh my god. Like make god. a point to like, us as the, the audience, not like to make a point to Dawson or the show or whatever. Like how much more like this guy is bad for Dawson's career could you get, right? <laughs> Yeah, you got to go very extreme here. I will say, I feel like this is a failure of networking on Dawson's part. Granted, he's only like a 19-year-old, where this is like, this is where he has to pitch. But I wouldn't say it's a failure of networking. This is where he has connections. Like, this is what he knows. And, and that's where you go. You go where you've already got your foot in the door and try to work from there. He hasn't had a lot of opportunities, I think, to network to other studios or anything. So um, I don't think it's too much of a stretch. 
Maybe he's just trying to do his dream project a little too early. Maybe. I mean, he's very ambitious, right? He wants to direct this project. And the only thing on his reel or his resume here is doing the reshoots, directing reshoots for a movie that went straight to cable. <laughs> Ooh, not a position of power. No, no. So um, you got that gross little interaction there. And obviously this does not sit well with Dawson. We know Dawson well enough by now to know that not the movie he wants to make. And what I kind of appreciate in his pitch, in his original pitch, not this like weird twisted version, as he was trying to sell it, you know, it almost feels like he's being a little bit self-reflective, right? About who he was as a 15, 16 year old and the mistakes that he made. It's like an opportunity for him to reflect on that as well through his filmmaking, which I liked. Yeah. He knows now that he's the bad guy, which or he like that he made mistakes, which was not the case back then. Yes, so, you know, we are going to have to to rescind our hashtag Dawson is the worst, which I think we already did like in season four. We pretty much did, I think. We haven't used that one in a while. <laughs> no, we haven't. So everyone who hated us for it, there you go. <laughs> L- listen, he was the worst for a long bit, but, but he now learned. he's not. He grew, as we all do. Um, now, Larry, as we said, he buys the story based on the stuff that Dawson pitched that Dawson doesn't actually like or want in the film. But clearly, like I said, Dawson doesn't feel very good about this. So he goes to Todd, who is directing a music video, which is what Todd was doing before he directed Wicked Dead or whatever the horror movie was. And uh, Dawson goes to him for some advice. I don't understand what you're so torn up about me. Job is a job. Work begets work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I just have a really hard time doing something that I don't believe in. You know, I mean, I learned so much working for you and doing the reshoots and everything, but I lost a chunk of my soul in the process. You're such a bloody drama queen, Larry. The trick is to keep working so one day you get to a point where you can write your own ticket. Yeah, what if by the time you get there, you don't know who the hell you are anymore? You have to decide what kind of filmmaker you want to be. Me? I'm a journeyman. I go where the jobs are. Maybe I'm just not cut out for any of this. Oh, I see. So this is that bit where I, I give you a bit of a lift, is it? No. Because I'm not going to do it. Even if you are a talented little bugger, even if you are light years ahead of where I was at your age... All right, all right, that's enough. Sir. Go make a movie. Ten bucks? It's a start. Look, if you're not willing to do it their way, with their money, then don't cash the chip. Write your own. Sometimes, with a little bit of money and a lot of faith, you can almost will an entire movie into existence. That's what I did. How'd it turn out? Rubbish. But it got me here. Here I am, doing the devil's work in sunny Los Angeles. Listen, mate. I know no matter what you do, you're going to do it with heart and balls and swagger. And that is all that matters in this world. Remember that. You know, good advice. Walk before you run, right? Like, Dawson got a little taste of what it was like to be a director and tried to shoot for the stars a little bit too early again not that you shouldn't dream big but he got frustrated so quickly at how things went and it's a hard industry and he's learning that definitely as he goes along yeah feel free to dream big but like approach your dreams in a realistic manner that's the 30 year olds in us talking (laughs) at the end of the day dawson is a 19 year old who's like only stuff on his reel professionally is like you said earlier reshoots of the ending of a movie that went straight to cable like slow your roll a little bit (laughs) yeah but you know it's um 
it's admirable, I think, and a little bit predictable because, of course, we know that Dawson is not going to make this terrible movie he doesn't want to make. And even though Todd says, like, you know, maybe just take the money and run with it and let it lead you to your next thing, I think both Todd and Dawson know that Dawson's not going to do that. Um, and that kind of comes through in his next meeting with Larry and Heather when they are talking more about what the next steps on this film is going to be, and Dawson walks away. You know what? I'm, excuse me. I'm sorry. Well, what is it? Out with it. I came in here the other day because I wanted to tell a story about something small, something personal, something I've been trying to figure out for quite some time. I, I wanted to write about growing up and why it's so hard. And I want to write about falling in love and why it can't last, but at the same time, how it lasts forever. And somehow that got twisted into a story about a stripper. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I can't do this. I appreciate the offer and the confidence, but I just wouldn't feel right taking your money. Are you absolutely sure about this? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I just really appreciate that honesty. It reminds me a lot of this um, this Joan Didion line where she talks about that uh, the reason why she writes, and she says it's to figure out what she thinks, um, how she's feeling, uh, what she sees, what she's afraid of, all the things. And, and as someone who is creative, you know, Dawson has a lot of the impulse as well in order to really understand the past that you've uh, lived through, maybe something that is difficult, how to process something. You got to put it to paper or put it to film, all of these things. And if Dawson were to make the movie that Larry and Heather Tracy want him to make, it would not be at all why Dawson became the filmmaker. Such a, he's such an upstanding young man with such good, like, strong values and morals. It's kind of nice. Yeah, it is. Um, what did you think of the storyline overall? Um, the, the honestly, the Larry stuff just kind of weirded me out. Like all the sex stuff really weirded me out. I understand they were trying to make a point, but I kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. But it does make sense to me that like I assume Dawson's final arc in the show is him trying to get a movie made i appreciate that yeah it's his um attempt to figure out uh figure out who he is as a young filmmaker as young creative and we've we've got a good chunk of episodes left for him to go on that journey of you know writing this film maybe he's already written it um thinking about financing selling it pitching it all of those good things and um you know you will not that this is a spoiler because i think you've already predicted it you'll see that it's it's so lovely. Like the beginning of the show was or like season one, episode one was about Dawson trying to get its movie made, and like the end of season six and the end of the show is about Dawson trying to get his movie made. I appreciate that. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's like a nice bookend. I mean, so much of this series is, uh, so much of this series tells us all these times Dawson is working on these films and projects and things like that. And I think if we were to go through and maybe we'll do this in the season six wrap up or even this this study hall or not study hall the series finale you know we see a progression in dawson and we look at that big narrative arc of who this character is it is nice good job dawson i'm proud of you we are proud of you um that i think i think that the storyline of the three that we get in this episode i think this is the strongest yeah like the weird sex stuff aside the character work is great yeah well let's let's wrap it up then and talk about the story oh. we're not Totally thrilled to talk about. It is Jen and CJ. Um, J- 
Jen and CJ are not in a great place in their relationship when we see them in this episode. Now, we have not seen Jen or CJ in the last couple of episodes, but when we come back in, there's a little bit of weirdness between them. They're sleeping together in Graham's house, so this is where we go to open-minded Graham's, right? Um, now, the two of them, Jen and CJ, CJ wants to be like overly intimate with her, and Jen is distant. She doesn't want to have sex all the time she just wants to cuddle she just wants to i don't know it's not like she's keeping her distance but she's not acting in a way that apparently cj wants her to act which is already red flag number one um and they're at the stand because i as we we remember they're so volunteering at the stand and cj kind of overhears not even like on accident they're sitting right across from each other Jen picks up a call, and she's kind of, like, complaining a little bit about her boyfriend, a.k.a. CJ. Helpline, this is Jen speaking. Are you sure that that's actually a problem? Because speaking as a girl whose boyfriend wants to copulate every waking moment of the day, I would actually welcome the break. I mean, I appreciate the enthusiasm. It's just it's, it's, it's a little exhausting. This position, that position, you want my legs where... I can't even wear a skirt anymore without him taking it as an invitation to hike it up. Okay, well, so first of all, this is already, like, <laughs> kind of a bad way for her to be answering a call. Like, we're presuming that this girl called up to be like, my boyfriend doesn't want to have sex, what do I do? And Jen is like, my boyfriend wants to have sex all the time, let me tell you about my problems. Like, first of all, not a great way to answer the call. <laughs> this is a horrible way to help this girl with her problem. Right. So that's already, like, eh, okay, not great. Um... Second of all, I I honestly had to have this I had this thought for a second where I was like are they are they actually together like boyfriend girlfriend are they like, we don't know I, I feel so confused about the status of their relationship half the time um and mainly this is this is my fault I, because I just don't care I'm not invested in this relationship that I've just not kept track of it but I guess they are officially boyfriend girlfriend in a relationship although we don't even know what that really looks like or means for them i mean jen says so more or less but like dave you said earlier like their relationship is not going well i don't think their relationship has ever gone well right like they're together and i'm using air quotes at this moment they're together but what does that even mean for them yeah yeah i mean We've not seen Jen in a really healthy relationship in, God, when was the last time we saw her in a healthy relationship? Would would we even classify her season five relationship with Dawson as healthy? I mean, you could. She was happy in it. They seem to be on a good page. I don't don't know. Like, it's so hard for her to, I think, even know what healthy relationships look like. But the fact that everyone's acting like CJ is this great guy, I have a problem with that. (laughs) No, he's a horrible guy. Yes, and we get that when this fight happens. So I said I don't know what CJ stands for, but maybe the C stands for Krabby? What's the matter? Nothing. Nothing. That's it? I don't like you using our problems in the bedroom to help other people. Oh, well, first of all, I wasn't aware that we had problems in the bedroom. And second of all, why not? Forget it. What, is this bad sex? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. 
But, you know, if some girl called up and said that her boyfriend was pressuring her into having sex, you would slip on your very best, Dr. Drew, and you would tell her not to stand for it. Look, if what you told me about your past is true, then I'm guessing what I don't understand is, is why the creeps and the scumbags who treated you so poorly got the benefit of your sex drive. Whereas guys like me, who actually treat you fairly well, we get ridiculed for wanting to have sex with you. Wow, kudos to you, CJ. That is the nicest way that anybody's ever called me a slut. What are you talking about? Basically, what you're saying is if I can be a slut for other guys, why can't I be a slut for That's you? That's not what I mean. I am not happy. I have not been happy with CJ for a very long time, and I am especially unhappy right now. I was suspicious of him from the start. I don't know if I was, but I feel like I was. And I knew it. I knew he was going to be bad. His shoulders are too broad. <laughs> They're suspicious. Dawson's Creek taught me that to be suspicious of broad-shouldered men. Um, and this is, goes back to what I mean about Dawson's Creek taught me men are apparently trash because this episode is not being very kind to an entire gender right now. Um, not all men are like this. I'm not going to pull the not all men card, but not all men are like this. <laughs> and yet we find so many of them in Dawson's Creek and we find so many of them trying to get with Jen. Do you think that Jen has a valid reason to be upset? I think we can answer this question. Why even ask me that question so I can, like, make the low percent chance that I fall in a hole and make myself look horrible? Like, my God, poor Jen. And this is a tragedy of her character. She, like, I, I hesitate to call that relationship with Dawson in season five a healthy relationship. But, like, the tragedy of Jen is she's just never been in a healthy relationship. She doesn't have, like a good like a a healthy understanding of what like a relationship should be and it just it sucks for her because she's so nice and so sweet and she deserves it yeah and she's trying to grow and and we've seen so much of her character evolve and change and learn these lessons through her friendships through her uh relationship with grams and yet we are held back by the fact that she seems to be with guys who treat her so terribly and almost like they're almost like gaslighting her like this whole thing with cj just feels so uncomfortable and it it really bothers me that we see grams again after not seeing her in a couple of episodes to basically mediate and uh you know broker peace in a situation where cj is wrong whatever is the matter with you two cj thinks i'm a slut i do not well why would you think such a thing jennifer because he pretty much said so. No, I didn't. Well, CJ, why do you think Jennifer feels this way? Well, she seemed to like having sex right up until the moment she started having sex with me. That's not true. I see the problem here. You don't? Mm. CJ. Jennifer is attempting for the very first time in her young life to have a full, well-rounded relationship with a boy. And Jennifer... CJ's problem is that he, like any young man of pure heart and good intention, is worried that you will always be more attracted to the rakes of this world. Well, you can tell CJ that nice pecs and a good six-pack only go so far. And you can tell Jennifer that what she just said didn't make me feel the slightest bit better. I have nice pecs. Jennifer? You can tell CJ that the best sex that I've ever had in my life has been with him. That'll do. You can tell Jen that 
I'm sorry if I made her feel bad. And that I was never insinuating that she be of questionable morality. And then I will snuggle with her anytime she wants. I hate this. I hate this whole dinner. <laughs> oh, stop coddling this like oversized man child's ego one. He doesn't need it. He needs to be knocked down a peg. Like, also, sex negative. Also, like, his horrible non apology. Just a minute straight of bad yeah and and okay sure grams doesn't know exactly what was said between the two of them when they fought but i i hesitate to believe that what cj said to jen earlier in the uh in the episode where he's like oh it seems like all these guys benefit from your sex drive but i'm the one who actually wants to have sex with you and you're like not you're not into it or whatever like i feel like if grams heard those words she'd have something different to say and it's not like cj said it in the heat of the moment and he didn't mean it like he didn't think he said anything wrong we're not we're not sending a positive message to people right now and it's very upsetting no it was not in the heat of the moment of like even the phone call the adequate cooling time for him to like know what he was saying i feel like i i just feel like the writers really didn't know what to do with Jen. And rather than just not writing scenes like they're doing with Jack, apparently, where they're just like, you could assume that Jack is off doing something. Like, I almost wonder, like, maybe I'd rather have no scenes with Jen than having this with Jen because it just feels so unfair to her character. We've seen so much growth and development over the last five and a half seasons. And now we're getting, I don't know what we're getting. The fact that she's in this relationship that feels like it's going to be for the long haul. We've only got a handful of episodes left. And Charles, do you think that she's going to stay with CJ for the rest of the season? I don't want her to stay with CJ for the rest of the season, but if they're like fixing a problem with uh, a half a dozen episodes to go, I'm, I'm worried that they are, but I don't think they should be. How upset will you be if this series finale is a wedding between Jen and CJ? <laughs> I'm so upset. I love being right, but I would be upset. Well, I can tell you right now it's not. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> uh, whether they're together or not, we'll find out. But, um, yeah, that's basically the episode. Did I leave anything out? Is there anything I'm missing? No, no, that, that's that's this not that great episode. Gosh, it was so many ups and downs, a lot more downs than we had wanted after seeing two really great episodes the last two episodes. Do you have a favorite scene of this episode? To bring yeah, out the positive. Let's, let's stick with the positive <laughs> kind of stuff here. What's your favorite scene or moment or part of this episode? Um, I, I Shout out to that like sweet, awkward kiss moment. Um, my other favorite scene uh, in this episode is when Dawson goes to Todd for a pep talk. And I think it's like a really cute pep talk. But my favorite part is when um, Todd is like, oh, is this the part where I give you a little bit of a lift? And then Dawson says... No, as if he knows what he's doing and like if he knows he's being needy, I think that's hilarious. Yeah, I like that too. I like that that relationship, that mentor-mentee relationship that the two of them have. You know, we've seen it before, those moments, and we've talked about it too. I just think it's nice for Dawson to be able to find somebody who cares about him but doesn't coddle him. And this is a tough industry and he's getting a firsthand look at what that means to really be you know, trying to play, trying to play in the big leads, if that's the metaphor we want to use. But um, I really like that, too. That was my favorite scene as well. Yeah. Da- Dawson has had a pretty good run of mentors, if you think about it. Like, 
it, Mr. Brooks and Todd have both taught him a lot about the industry, I think. Granted, Mr. Brooks' experience in the industry was from a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think those are good scenes to pick, and obviously it's not like we had too many other scenes to pick out other than some cute poey moments, but uh, those were far and few in between. Um, who do we think won this episode? By our definition, does anyone like really win except for CJ? Because like people just gloss over the horrible things he does. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, who TV.com thinks won. With one vote each, you have Dawson, Joey, Jen, Jack, who's not in this episode, and Grams. And with three votes, you have Pacey. No. No. I'm sticking with my CJ answer. Everyone else has like a not so great episode. Eddie's back. Like, this throws everything up in the air for Eddie, Joey, and Pacey. Dawson can't make his movie. Jack is not even in this episode, which granted, given this episode, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> um, Jen's not in a great place right now. CJ gets an, I feel like, gets an undeserved W. I mean, your other options is you've got, um, I mean, let's be honest. Larry Newman, the gross head of the studio. We hate him. We hate his story. But he got a movie. Like, they're still going to move forward with it because they bought the idea from Dawson, right? Like, it seems like they're still moving forward. Yeah, we don't even know if they, like, actually bought the idea. So maybe they got some free IP. Like, yeah, he's getting a movie. Yeah, but maybe I think it's right that, uh, let's just, (laughs) I'm fine calling Jack the winner because let's hope he's just having a better life out there. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't have to deal with this anymore. (laughs) Exactly. Um, All right, well, let's talk about ratings for this episode. I'm kind of scared to talk about ratings, but here we go. On IMDb, out of 124 votes, this episode has a 7.2, which is actually kind of middle-ish. I think it's actually higher than what IMDb gave the last episode, which is crazy to me. That's incorrect. And TV.com, out of 91 votes, this episode has an 8.5, which is also like kind of middle-ish. Which I think is also higher than what TV.com gave 616. So maybe people are, are rating it because they loved how, like, fun and, and raunchy the Poey stuff ended up being because they like the fan fiction-y part of it. But we have come to just appreciate the sweet moment so much that we had such a hard time really loving that. But that is that is my defense, at least, of why I'm going to rate the way I rate it. But Charles, what do you give this episode? I'm going to give this episode a 7.5. Okay. Um, and, like, my my context feels a little bit weird now because we had, like, this short stretch of good episodes after the not-so-great episodes. But, like, last episode, I really enjoyed. And, like, all three storylines had a unifying theme of, like, the main characters facing their past that I thought was really nice. This episode, all three storylines had another unifying theme that I just completely despise. And it was that, like, oh, look at these horrible dudes. They're the worst. Um, there, there were a lot of cute moments. I'll, I'll give it that. Um, I appreciated some of the Poey moments. Um, some of the Dawson Todd stuff was like really nice and sweet, but the like weird sex stuff just kind of weighed against me giving this episode a good score. I think that that's fair. I mean, <laughs> I give it a seven, so it wow. is, it is, it is quite low. My last uh, episode, the last episode I gave it 8.75. Um, my weird rating for it. I gave I gave this one a seven because I was really deeply unhappy with CJ. I don't like where they're taking Jen. Um, jokingly, even though we were like, oh, it's maybe a good thing that Jack wasn't in this episode. I still don't like that we've gotten like half stories when it comes to Jack and 
we could be seeing so much more when it comes to how much Jack has grown. Like if, if this, if the last half of season six, the final season is supposed to be about kind of taking a step back and being able to look at how these characters have changed since we first met them. Like, I just feel like we don't get enough of Jack. We don't get enough of, uh, this is the first time we're maybe really seeing him embrace this uh, new relationship he could be in, be very open and take initiative with it. And we don't even get to really see that. Um, That's disappointing to me. I don't like the weird character rewrite for Grams here, where I feel like it's too understanding and too supportive of CJ in this moment, not really taking Jen seriously when she's upset. Um, like I said, I don't really like Stockbroker Pacey. I could do without that, but that is the storyline we're getting. So I'm a little more down on this episode than I think you are. Either way, poor episode. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> the next episode, Charles, 618, is called Love Bites. What do you think Love Bites is about? Um, I would like it to be about the immediate aftermath of Eddie showing up. I I assume it's not going to, you know, it might start off immediately right away. That's my prediction. It starts off like the second Eddie arrives. Okay. Um, And I think it's going to, I hope it's going to be about them like figuring out what to do. I don't, I, I honestly don't know what else could happen to the other characters, but we'll see. We will see. Um, I will say that there is, Something that shows up in the next episode, something happens that you already know about that was spoiled for you a while ago that you may have forgotten about. I've definitely forgotten. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, oh, you know who we're also going to see in the next episode? Who? What random person? Patrick. Who's Patrick? <laughs> the uh, the little teenage boy we met in the last episode. Harley's boyfriend. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not excited for this. No, I'm kidding. I'm excited. I'm just not looking forward to that. If my memory serves me correctly, I have not watched this episode for the purposes of our podcast yet. I like it more than this current one. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I trust you. I like it in a sad way. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Ooh, I love sad things. I know you love sad things. All right. Well, if you have any extra thoughts about either this episode or where we're leading to the end of this series, Charles... Throw them into our show notes at DawsonSpeak.com for this week's episode. Uh, Like we said, we put up a post with some links and things we may have talked about. And uh, the comment section is a great place to chat not only with us when we have the time to jump into the comment section, but with each other. We love seeing the robust conversation that happens there. And of course, you can talk to us, DawsonSpeakPod at gmail.com and on social media, DawsonSpeakPod. Our merch store, I think, is on sale this week. It's basically the back half of January. I may have gotten the dates wrong, so it's not like immediately as you're listening to this. But check out our Tee Public store. You can find the link to that on DawsonSpeak.com. We've got t-shirts, mugs, pins, pillows, tote bags, all kinds of fun things. All Dawson's Creek themed as well. Rate and review us on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts if you have not yet done this. Yes, we are getting into the home stretch, but we still love hearing that feedback. And we, you know, this helps us get into more people's uh, feeds and recommendations, all of that good stuff. And there are so many people who will email us or message us and tell us that they've just now discovered the podcast. And, um, you know, by the time you listen to this, yes, we'll be off there, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll at least be able to acknowledge you right now. Hello, you started listening in 2020. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Yes. We love you. Welcome. Yes, we love we we love all of our listeners. As frustrated as we were this episode, we love this show. 
happy to always talk about it and be upset about it. And you know what? I know we're not alone in this. I've got many rants yeah. about this too. It's nice to be frustrated with others. Yes, exactly. So, um, okay, Charles, any last thoughts or words or whatever you have to let people know how you feel about this episode? You know, I can forgive it, given that we're getting toward the end of the season. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I don't, I don't even know how to put like my feelings in words exactly right now. Like you're approaching the end of something, and like it's kind of bittersweet, and like not everything is perfect, but you're gonna, you know, you're gonna miss it. That's how I feel about it right now. Yeah, you know what's funny is um. In sort of prepping for our series finale, uh, Charles, you and I have been going back and listening to different parts of past episodes we've done just for various things that we're planning on doing. And I think somewhere in season one, at one point, I think I said something like, we'll figure out how to end this epi- these episodes, like end the podcast. In the three years we've been doing this, we have no ending to our podcast, like our episodes, basically. We don't know how to end them, which is why we kind of dragged them on for a while and oftentimes as listeners as you're hearing when the episode ends we've actually talked for like another two minutes but i had to cut it off somewhere because like it's not that interesting but um endings are hard you know what charles maybe in the last like starting next week we'll start coming up with like a regular sign off or something i don't know i don't know that's a yeah it's a tall order um okay charles yes tracy we'll see you next week see you talk to you next week for 618 love bites you're such a bloody drama queen larry